at the end of the last part, Harry had been caught because he forgot to stick the invisibility cloak back on on his way down. Quite literally a schoolboy error. Presumably, there's like wild celebrations in the Hufflepuff table when they walk into the Great Hall and see the change and suddenly they're not bottom for the first time ever. Yeah, there's sort of this puzzled look falls over their faces and then they have to try and remember how to gloat. So if I go over to him, do I put the finger in his face and go, ah, is that about right? Let me try it. Ah, Ooh, that was really good. I'm going to do that some more. Hello and welcome to part four, the final part of Shark the Royals read through of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stroke Sorcerer's Stone, depending on where you are in the world, by J.K. Rowling. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. Hello. It'll forever be the Philosopher's Stone for us, won't it? It, it really will, but I, I'm very conscious that there's a massive media market containing about 400 million people who are like, Philosopher where? So, um, so, I'd actually, I, I would love to know what our dear American friends thought of that change because it was such a great from a from a very sort of ignorant british perspective hearing that that had happened always felt to me like kind of what is wrong with the american publishers of this book do they think americans don't know the meaning of the word philosopher Hmm. um and like like does that make it less appealing to people i just it it loses me a bit yeah well any any insight let us know. We've got ways of contacting us, Podcast at gmo.com. There's also us on Twitter at SharkLiveRoyal and exciting announcement, which I'll tell you more about at the end because I don't want to bore you with it now. But um, Facebook, we're on there. We're back and we're bad on Facebook. Um, so <laughs> We're back. No, Matt, I think it's fair to say, uh, as our 60 followers on Facebook would say, we have always been bad <laughs> at Facebook. That has always been the case. We are back on Facebook. <laughs> Um, uh, there's a few messages that we've had over the years which I haven't looked at as well which I'll get into at the end but um, yeah so this this episode we're going from chapter 15 The Forbidden Forest until the end of the book Uh, at the end we will go through a few extra bits and pieces including your reviews and a few from around the internet which um, are always always good value Uh, and if you come in for us for the first time come on you got three. I mean, you can, if you want to listen to just the last part, do. But um, I would strongly advise you go back and listen to the first three, because uh, we've come a long if... way with Harry. And we have his, in his quite friends. a short period of time as well. I think yeah. one of the things that struck me the most about this book is that it just moves at this absolutely spanking pace. Like she's really not an ounce of fat on it. Yeah. By comparison, and we've we've spoken of this before, of course. By comparison with the like hyper hyper frustration engendered in me by the size of book four and five particularly this is just it was so surreal to be like every time i finished a section four i was like that was really quick and really entertaining and extraordinarily well written this is brilliant yeah and I, I was amazed particularly this this last part when we get to the sort of final the final sort of scene or the final sort of sort of adventure i was amazed mm. that was just one chapter i always thought that was the last third of the book but um it really does move at a pace so yeah. chapter 15 the forbidden forest um it's back to mcgonagall's office to flirt with expulsion once again fairy um <laughs> they've been caught a, for a magical messiah who everybody is doing everything they can to accommodate he ends up in the office quite a lot doesn't he <laughs> yeah are the yeah. rules somehow opaque? Is he just not sure how to behave when he's not locked in a cupboard under the stairs? Yeah, it feels like this time McGonagall should have just looked up and gone, oh, 
You're not helping yourself, Harry, here. You're not helping yourself. <laughs> yes, listen, at a certain point, you have to you have to blame the criminal, Harry. So here we go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so if you remember the last the last part, at the end of the last part, the um the the Harry had been caught because he forgot to stick the invisibility cloak back on on his way down from from <laughs> Quite literally a schoolboy error, isn't it? <laughs> now we've done we've done Ron a disservice here because Ron's nothing to do with this. He's um he's not involved in the uh, in the caper because I think he's in hospital, isn't he? Still, so it's um Is it's he? Ron. Yeah, it's just Ron and Hermione. It's just sorry, it's just Harry and Hermione doing this um, under wow. the invisibility cloak. That so, is not the 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 two thirds of that particular dream team that you'd expect to make a mistake quite that stupid. I know, yeah, you wouldn't expect Hermione to overlook that, but it's happened. So it means well, she she lacks guile though, doesn't she? Yeah, she's very she's strong within the lines, but you 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 take her take her into the the great blue yonder, and she has no idea what to do. Yeah, clearly. So Hermione's Hermione and, and Harry are summoned to the office. Malfoy's already been disciplined for this, if you remember, because he was caught out of bed as well. Um, another student's been caught. Neville um, is being has been done because he um, he snuck out to try and what I think he was trying to warn Harry and Hermione about Malfoy or something. But anyway, he's been caught as well. Um, McGonagall. Nev. With student running around left, right, and centre is understandably <laughs> raging. Um, she thinks she thinks it's all a series of sort of jokes and capers. Um, she doesn't believe any of this stuff about the dragon. She just thinks that Harry's been winding Malfoy up, and she's had enough, basically. <laughs> I mean, it's not like it's a very plausibly teacherish assumption, isn't it? That sort of like mad telepathy that teachers seem to have, particularly when you were younger at school. Yeah. They'd know what you were doing because, of course, you are doing nothing original, and they've seen it all thousands of times before. Um, but I, there are times when it goes completely like haywire when something really notable does happen, and a teacher <laughs> is so in on the tracks that they've no conception that this could be some kind of extracurricular shenanigan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, how how angry is she? Well, she's going to basically torch Gryffindor's chances of the House Cup here. That's how angry she is. Minus 50 points each from Gryffindor for Harry, oh. Ron and Hermione. No, not Ron, sorry. Ron's an innocent party here. But Harry, <laughs> Hermione and Neville. That's big. That's a That's big, big move from McGonagall. That's who big. Has, has broken all the rules to give Gryffindor a better chance at winning this for the last yeah. like, few months. So presumably there's a very, very sort of limited system of punishment for teachers for bending these rules themselves right like because she's she clearly fears no reprisal for trying to rig the game and then completely undermining that rigging of the game (laughs) as if if this if this was the school i went to where i had a middle school between like about nine and thirteen i am pretty sure that there would have been a book running on it and that is why all of these all of these points will have been deducted or added on or not. Just imagine McGonagall sitting there going, listen, I've actually put a fairly massive hedge on for us to come forth, so I'm afraid, goodness, it's <laughs> going to be an unprecedentedly enormous 50 points off for all of you, and uh, I will be buying myself a boat this year, take me back across that lake in luxury, so thanks very much. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I kind of I felt bad for Harry and Hermione a bit here. I felt really bad for little Neville. A because yeah. you know he's he's got a minus fifty here and he's going to cop it even worse than the other two because he's already downtrodden. 
But also, yeah, he's got no cred at all to trade yeah. against, has he? Never. Yeah, but also like he's out to try and help these people who he thinks might be his friends. And then McGonagall yeah. says, "Oh, they've just been winding everyone up," and he thinks that they've been lying to him as well. So even like the people he thought were his friends, he he sort of yeah. he seemed really, looked really hurt. And I was like, "Oh, I just wanted to give him a hug." Felt really bad. For yeah. Him. Yeah, no, solid. And I've got a Harry in the middle of this is desperately trying to signal with his eyebrows that he's not just a horrendous human being who's been <laughs> taking advantage of this sweet-natured, downtrodden boy. Yeah, uh, but it doesn't work, and Neville is heartbroken. Now this is a um, this is a disaster for Harry Potter's approval ratings. They go through the floor. Everyone suddenly hates him <laughs> at school. <laughs> Uh, presumably there's like wild celebrations in the Hufflepuff table when they walk into the Great Hall and see the change and suddenly they're not bottom for the first time ever <laughs> that's amazing just walking in and suddenly there's sort of this puzzled look falls over their faces and then they have to try and remember how to cheer and gloat and just be like so if I go over to him is it do I put the finger in his face and go Ah, is that about right? <laughs> Let me try it. Yeah. Ah, Ooh, that was really good. I'm going to do that some more. Hey, lads, we should try and win some of these games occasionally. That felt brilliant. Third place. They can almost touch that bronze medal. It's, <laughs> it's within touching. They've never, in, in June, they've never been this close to third place before. <laughs> That's incredible. How good it feels not to be holding the wooden spoon. <laughs> So yeah, everyone hates Harry and and Hermione and poor Neville. Um, I like this line. Only Ron stood by him, even though Ron wasn't involved. He's still sort of bang up for sort of his, his best boy. He's, he's absolutely thick as thieves. Wing, it's, it's just great. Wingman, ten out of ten behaviour <laughs> there from Ron Weasley. Yeah, ride or die, Ron, Ron Weasley. <laughs> <laughs> it is it's bad boys <laughs> bringing us to the question Matthew which out of Harry and Ron is Martin Lawrence and which is Will Smith <laughs> oh I could never I could never I could never pick between them if I'm honest <laughs> I could not decide I, which one's got to go where there because they're both uh, absolutely epic epic characters that's that's completely true sorry <laughs> carry on so Harry's wandering past, wandering about, feeling a bit sorry for himself at this sudden change in events. He hears a conversation in Quirrell's classroom. It's Professor Quirrell, who sounds upset about something. He's being bullied by someone, and he says, "All right, all right, I'll, I'll give in or whatever." And then he leaves. And Harry doesn't see anyone else, but he sees an open door the other side of the classroom and assumes it must be Snape getting his way. So he's another step closer to getting what he needs to get his hands on the Philosopher's Stone. Sorcerer's Stone, whatever. Um, Hermione straight away is like, just take it to Dumbledore now. She's had enough of breaking the rules. <laughs> she is solidly back within the lines, isn't she? She's <laughs> yeah. like, this is, this is how Vernon Dursleys get born, this. One poorly judged shenanigan, aged, aged 11. And she's like, no, absolutely not. There'll be no hijinks around here. If I see a jink, it needs to be medium or lower. At most. <laughs> Yeah, um, so they're going to go to Dumbledore, but first they've got detention. Eleven o'clock in the evening, they've got to meet at the entrance to the Great Hall. Um, Filch, sorry, go on. Just before we get into the, the the mechanics of this sort of magnificent seven behind enemy lines approach to discipline in school for first years. Yeah. Um. What? 
is my question. I think I think I just what with about 18 exclamation marks and question marks behind it. So the idea is you get given a detention and it's not this like really boring let's keep them in after school, let's prevent them from doing the sports they like or anything. It's not a punishment as such. It happens at night and you are dragooned into being like freelance security for the school. <laughs> I would... That feels I like a punishment to me, like, to be fair. <laughs> I mean, to be given what we discover is out there in, in even the ostensibly friendly presences that are apparently out there in the forest, as we discover. But how did this system come to be? How bad? Where's the threshold between like having to do two hundred lines and? being sent out to in the middle of the night to do security. Like, your detention starts at 11 o'clock. I have some questions about the child protection policies of this school. And mind you, this, I have these questions despite the fact that we've already learned this is a school who thinks it's appropriate to dump babies on doorsteps with a, a note propped on top, and that'll do it for child protection for the yeah. next decade. The magic world, you've got to grow up fast. Also, Dave, this is the 90s, don't forget, you know. So... <laughs> Oh, are we doing this? Are we? Are, have we reached, Matt? Is this the threshold where you and I, as children of the '90s, have reached the moment where there's a threshold where we can start talking about it as though it was the Wild West? Oh yeah, because that's always happening. Yeah, and <laughs> because because that that always that has happened with you know there's people older than me who talk about their upbringing in the '70s that just make it sound like it was Nam. And <laughs> now, are we allowed to do that with the '90s? Have we reached that magic age? Yeah. The badass nineties were were detention involved, yeah, freelance security, as you say. So they're off out. Absolutely, yeah. Off out to Got do kneecapped once when I was doing that. <laughs> it was awful. It was awful. Filch Only had chewing gum in class. Sorry. <laughs> Filch is um is is talking about the old punishment. Apparently, this is this is the more humane version of what used to be, which was they used to just hang you up like from by your wrists <laughs> for, for like days on end. <laughs> for three days. <laughs> once again, I say. This has all gone a little bit Game of Thrones, hasn't it? <laughs> Particularly when Filch says, I keep them oiled just in case they bring back the rule. It's like discovering in your school. Because again, in our generation, uh, to take some of the newfound hardcore sheen off of what we're claiming growing up in the 90s was like, um, uh, our generation was pretty much the first to go through school without corporal punishment being... Um, being allowed at any point so there's no no hitting no rulers on the back of the hand no cane nothing like that hmm. that was all i was astonished to discover that was all still legal until the year i went to school for the first time um and um so this would be like discovering now that the school caretaker is so angry about that change that happened in like the the early 90s that he's kept a cane like in a special presentation case like polished and just ready to go at a moment's notice in case the headmaster or a senior member of staff should totally lose their marbles and decide (laughs) that only beating children will do the job. Right, it's ready, it's here, headmaster. I've been waiting for this day. (laughs) This is my moment. He's kept the manacles oiled. Goodness (laughs) me. Yeah, so lucky lucky for for Harry, there will be no manacles tonight. Um, the the bad news is, as you say, it's, he's got to have to pull an all night security in the Forbidden Forest with Hagrid, 
Um, what and, could possibly go wrong? <laughs> and it starts by Hagrid saying, "There's basically there's a dying unicorn in there. We're going to have to go and finish it off." <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a what? What? There's a, and why does this need to happen at this time of night? Is why this not? explained at any point? Magic. Like, <laughs> no, I'm play, no, I'm playing no. that card. <laughs> I'm not having it. I'm not having it. We can only do this at a really dangerous moment for these children who are in our care because we're in magical school. Is magical synonymous with? negligent is that the way it works <laughs> you can't just let a unicorn stumble around all night it's it's a beautiful animal and you know it's and dying. you should you watch it die at great length instead yeah. that's what you ought to do. I, I i i am lost but fine because we haven't even got to the maddest bit of this process <laughs> which i'm sure we're about to touch on so hagrid decides to split the party does the thank the, you thank <laughs> you does he hand red shirts to some of the other ones <laughs> The golden rule, he's breaking it, he's splitting the party. He is, he is. Honestly, has he never seen? Uh, Now that we know this happened in about 1990 as well, apparently, according to the official timeline. um, You know, these films exist. All of these films exist. You know, Scream is pretty much in production. Well, it's not, but you know what I mean? These are so well established that everybody knows you don't split the party. And yet Hagrid... I love, by the way, that the split is Hagrid, what is it? Hagrid, Hermione and Harry in one team and then Neville, Malfoy and the dog in the other team. (laughs) Like, what is it? I know that Hagrid is not the most strategic thinker in the universe. This has been established. But what about that seems like a good idea? I've got got this really timid one uh, who's really frightened and definitely shouldn't be here because this whole plan is nuts. Uh, and I've got a dog who obeys me. So I'm going to put him in the other team where I'm not. Um, and oh, I've got this evil one as well. I think they should go together and I'll stay over here with the uh, the above the title actors. The, uh, yeah. the stars of the piece. Let's do it that way. Don't worry about it because my plan if something goes wrong is that they should get out their magic wands in which they have six months, fully six months of training and point them at the sky and tell it to make lights. Yeah, It's going to be fine. <laughs> Malfoy's sort of quaking in his boots here, but I, I love mm. I love what he gets up to later on, considering how scared he is at the moment. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he's very frightened now and clearly <laughs> decides halfway through this experience to just lean into the evil and just let it happen. Yeah. So that's that's how they split the party anyway. So Hagrid, Harry and Hermione heading through the, the forest and there's something's creeping out there. There's a there's a snap of a branch and then they just hear a what's that? Na 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 Life is a roller coaster. It's Ronan, the censure coming through the woods. I thought you were going to do some sort of riff on it. It's like somehow centaurs are about jazz and he's just <laughs> clicking his hooves, walking through the forest, just da-da-da-da. No, thank you. All right, brilliant. Now we have a centaur who's supposed to remind me of Ronan Keating. <laughs> so we're bang so on there. brand for children of the 90s in this podcast, aren't we? Goodness me. The, the, so there's, there's him and there's this other centaur called uh, Bane. And they so... They, they, <laughs> By the way, I, I realise I realize that some people may not have seen this film, but I have to tell you that the moment I saw that there was a centaur called Bane, all of his dialogue I just heard like this. <laughs> there you go. It, so it, it brought a dramatic tinge to it, I don't mind telling you. 
so the, these these guys are like half man, half horse, and they're quite sort of spaced out. They just talk about the stars all the time, and um, and Hagrid's like, oh, you can never get a straight answer out of these boys. It's pain, really. Um, yeah, they're 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 sort of hoof-born uh, foreboding devices, aren't they? Because hmm. he, he asks them what's going to happen, and they just both look at the moon and go, look at the sky and go, Mars is very red tonight. <laughs> Yeah. And and I, I love that they stick to that, even when he's like, listen, this is quite serious. Could you just please give me a straight answer? They go, they don't even say, I can't, I'm a centaur. This is what we're going to do. Centaur's going to centaur. They don't do that. They just go, Mars <laughs> is very red tonight, as though it should be plain to the meanest intelligence what on earth is going on here. Yeah, come on, Hagrid, keep up. I know you're not Keep the brightest. The ma- but... Mars is red. <laughs> what more do you need from me? <laughs> I mean, to be honest, Mars is red. It doesn't sound good, does it? It doesn't sound. It doesn't no. sound like <laughs> peace is on the way. Yeah, so. that's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> Neptune is a kind of off-green color. That 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 you know that has a, a range of interpretations. Mars is red is basically the first line of an early Napalm Death album, isn't it? And that is, it doesn't yeah. bode well. Um, sparks immediately. I mean, they've not, uh, presumably, it seems like they've not gone ten paces. Sparks shoot up from the other party, so Hagrid goes <laughs> dashing off. <laughs> Turns out, yeah, so, he leaves them alone. Yeah. He splits the party again. Yeah. The rare double split. <laughs> Turns out Malfoy has just been arsing about. He's been trying to scare <laughs> Neville. <laughs> he's gone from. He's double. That's what I mean. He's gone from. Terry's realised that his fastest route out of being terrified is just to completely mess up this much more timid child. And again, I have to say, this is completely on character for this character type, mm. isn't it? The guy who's terrified so decides to make somebody else even more scared than he is. Yeah. So we have a, we have another rejig of the of the party. So Harry Malfoy and the dog are sent out now, um, and <laughs> and Hagrid just sticks with the well behaved ones because he thinks I just can't be doing with this. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> who amongst us, when given the given the charge of parenting anybody younger than we are, can say that we have not felt the same way? Just just that's the Harry Malfoy and the dog is the. Just watch Netflix for an hour. Party <laughs> is what that is. Just, yeah. just here's the telly. Go for it. Yeah. Now they come across something in the shadows, drinking the uni. This they come across the dead unicorn, and there's something there drinking its blood. And um, Malfoy and, and the dog yeah. cheese it. Harry sort of <laughs> Harry can't run. He's sort of he's paralysed with fear, and um, his scar starts to burn. And oh. then you, you sort of. It's looking bad, if we're going to be honest. But then this younger centaur called Firenz sort of rides to the rescue and intervenes and uh, and saves Harry. And this leads to an argument amongst this younger one and the two older ones. Na, 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 and, and they are they're really unhappy about interfering with the sort of fates and the planets and stuff. Basically saying, look, we don't sort of do things like this. We just let things events play out just let it happen but um, and yet we are apparently world. still seen as friendly characters yeah. <laughs> we know terrible things that are going to happen and we do nothing to prevent them but it's fine yeah i think they're sort of they try to present themselves as sort of neutral characters don't they they're just if it's going to happen it's going to happen yeah well and that's the that's an interesting thing isn't it actually to like put together characters who have a a view of the world which is so like 
fatalist like fate is what defines what's going to happen and there's no choice mm. that to them trying to change the fate they've seen is a is an immoral act yeah um and that's that's really strange because then that's not saying what's important is fate it's what's important is what you've seen mm. and you've got to be pretty stunningly self-involved to like see what you think is the future and then actively work to make sure that your interpretation of it is the only one that can happen, no matter how many children get killed. <laughs> like, and yet they're still neutral characters, rather than... I, I think the centaurs might be about as evil as anybody else, to be honest. But, but I, don't, I don't think that's what they do. They're not actively trying to make sure that happens. They're just not going to interfere either way. So, you know, if that was the case, Ferenc should be sort of giving him a nudge towards this creature to finish him off but for friends, well that's what I mean but he gets in trouble doesn't he for for messing with it like yeah they're, they're sort of like oh well that Bane and, and and Ronan are telling him that it was wrong to interfere with yeah. with what how what might have happened to Harry as he was standing there in the presence of somebody that apparently thinks it's completely appropriate to drink unicorn blood mm. yeah yeah Wonder yeah. who that could have been. Oh well, um, so this Ferenc chap starts to like just just tells Harry a little bit about it and uh, the fact that yeah, only you, you drink unicorn blood to keep yourself alive if you're on the verge of death, but it's at a terrible price. You're cursed unless you can find some kind of magic to bring yourself back fully, which is mm. what Harry puts two and two together and says, ah the Philosopher's Stone. And then he puts another two and two together and thinks, ah, who'd be after that? Who's sort of, who's almost dead? And there's been a lot of rumour that he might not be fully dead, but he nearly died and he used to be powerful. There's only one, <laughs> there's only one name springs to mind and no one really wants to say it, but it's Voldemort. <laughs> well, that's a very disturbing uh, rendition of the name Voldemort, by the yeah. way, Matt. Top work well, there. That was, you've got a future on ghost trains, I think. <laughs> So they all meet up, back to the Great Hall. They fill Ron in on what's been going on. Ron's just been sort of chilling in the hall. He's, you know, free. <laughs> I, that's the scene I want to see. Ron is in the Great Hall with his feet up in front of the fire going, <laughs> I'll tell you what, there is something to be said for not getting into hijinks, isn't there, occasionally? Just, just chilling. Yeah, it's going to be hard for even the most hijinks-averse person to, um, to, to avoid them now because they go back to bed and what's that neatly folded up on Harry's pillow? The invisibility cloak's back. Oh, Someone's his, his mysterious it. benefactor has decided yeah. that he should have it again. To chapter 16, through the trapdoor. Um, so they know that this is all going down. They've got an extra piece in the puzzle here. There's this big thing that's brewing. But at the same time, they've got to stop because the exams are coming up. So here come the exams. <laughs> Everything goes on hold. Yeah, that is that feels very realistic, doesn't yeah. it? Do you remember? I don't know if you did this for your GC. You may be talented enough that you waltz through it without thinking about it. I shut down everything for three months in order to just read things, and it's, this was very reminiscent of that. It's like, listen, I may have an an unglimpsed and very impressive destiny ahead of me, and yes, the guy who killed my parents and nearly killed me may be abroad around the place and yes I might have all the clues I need to try and arrest his nefarious plans equally however this exam is not going to take itself 
So can we just put it on hold for two weeks and then... And he does! And whatever Voldemort... Voldemort just having drunk the unicorn blood deals with this horrible curse while everybody, instead of going on with the rest of the plan, while everybody takes their exams. That was very public-spirited of Voldemort, actually. (laughs) Yeah. So, exams... um Hermione is one of those people, and we all know them, who you do an exam and then they immediately come out and want to deconstruct every moment of the exam where everyone else just wants to just forget it all. Forget that it's ever happened in their entire lives. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. and it's the person who's always confident that they've nailed it as well. So what they really want to do is just reassure themselves that they've nailed it by comparison to everybody else. Please, Hermione, stop. (laughs) Now, the... um, the, something else sort of falls into place for Harry around about this time. He thinks back to what Hagrid said about getting his dragon egg and they go and speak to Hagrid about it and it turns out, yes, in the process of getting this dragon egg, Hagrid let slip how to charm <laughs> the three-headed dog and get it to fall asleep. Come on, Hagrid. <laughs> oh, and like I say, not a big strategic thinker. Yeah. But I love that he like he sort of sat on this information and he does the thing that he did previously when he let him know about Nicholas Flamel. Yeah. Um, where he sort of acts as though he's told them something that he shouldn't tell them because he knows more than they do. When uh, th- This is the point where he should be going, I think you've probably got more chops than I have in this area. <laughs> have you got any advice for me? But he's still like, no, you're not supposed to. You kids aren't supposed to know that. Only a responsible adult like me is supposed to know that. Yeah. So they, um, they think, right, we've got to go tell Dumbledore now. Uh, exams or no, we've got to go tell him. But um, turns out he's gone. He's, just, he's, he's gone off on a trip somewhere. What's he doing? Dumbledore. Yeah. Dumbledore, you're the only reason that this was a good place, uh, this school was a good place to store something really, really important that yeah. the most evil wizard who's ever existed might want to have access to. So they've and got you've to, left. Yeah. So they've got to tell, so they decide, well, we'll just tell McGonagall. She's the deputy head. Um, but she obviously doesn't believe them um, and says, just, just chill, it's safe. Um, don't worry about it. And then they bump into Snape, and Snape sort of sneering at him, going, "Yeah, just go to bed and don't get up in the night again, all right? Like, please, <laughs> particularly this evening, stay in bed. All right, I'm not going to say why. Just gonna yeah. just just stay in bed." <laughs> so they come up with this plan, which is such an eleven-year-old plan. They like they've got this station, someone outside the staff room to try and tail Snape, and the other two try and guard the door. I just thought, it's just exactly what, if you were 11, that is the plan you'd come up with, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Time. Like, this is this is quite advanced. Me at 11, I would have been like, I, I don't know, can I go back to bed, please? I would <laughs> I would have been sub-Neville in my degree of hijinks <laughs> in this situation. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work. They're packed off to bed, and then they get up in the night and say, right, invis- invisibility cloak out, we're going to have to just try and put a stop to this ourselves. Um, so they're going to head out. But who's that blocking the exit? It's it's Neville. It's, it's Neville, and he Neville's last stand. It's Neville's last stand. Oh, bless his little heart. He's like, right, you're going nowhere. <laughs> I'll, I'll fight you to stop yeah. you because I'm I'm sick of getting in trouble for you for one, and also that that we're already behind Hufflepuff. It can't get much worse, but. I'm, I'm just not going <laughs> to For the honour of the house, we are behind the badgers. <laughs> yeah. And we have a code around here. There will be no sitting behind the badgers. 
So no. I'll I'll die on this hill <laughs> no, in the front of are, this painting. The badges are rubbish. They are rubbish. So there's every chance <laughs> that we'll, there's every chance that we'll overtake them in the natural course of events over the next month, unless you keep losing us fifty points at a time. <laughs> unless, you, unless you consider this incredible. Unless you continue this incredibly expensive <laughs> escapade, which you seem to have developed a taste for for some damn reason. Yeah, unfortunately for Neville, um, Hermione just petrifies him. Literally, she just uses oh, his spell, and, and it's it. cold as well, isn't it? Yeah. And like, I understand why you can't have him having a big old punch up. You know, Neville's a sympathetic character and the rest of it, but mm. it is a little bit, is a little bit harsh, isn't it? Also, yeah. that must be terrifying. Imagine because this is very much a gateway drug for Hermione Granger, isn't it? <laughs> who knows what she's going to do now that she's worked out that anybody who gets in a way she can essentially terrifyingly freeze for a period of time. What is going to happen the next yeah. time that she decides? I just want an extra couple of hours in the library. Yeah. So, so Neville's lying there, staring up at the ceiling, thinking, "Hello, hospital wing, my old friend, on the way again." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they, the other three. I wonder if I'll get frequent flyer miles this time. <laughs> Usual, is it, Neville? Yeah. <laughs> so they, uh, yeah, they, they head out um, in under the cloak. Pe- uh, they, they pass Peeves, and Peeves can sense them. He's like, mm. "Are you a ghoulie? Are you a ghosty? Are you a wee student beastie? Who is it?" Um, and Harry does this amazing impression of this guy we've not mentioned before, but one of the ghosts is called the Bloody Baron, who runs Slytherin. Presumably runs it like some kind of crime syndicate. He sounds <laughs> particularly frightening, this ghost. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, he, he basically drops the Bloody Baron impression and peeves him. He's, turns out peeves answers to no man, but um, he is afraid of the ghost of the Bloody Baron, so he sort of backs <laughs> off pretty quickly. That's Oh, he's, he's tremendous. He's like double pace toadying as well isn't it yeah like, I don't know probably not isn't he like your bloodliness or something like that <laughs> <laughs> your bloodliness oh goodness yeah so they get to the they get to the dog um, the dog's awake but there's a discarded harp I think nearby so they use Hagrid's little flute to put the dog back to sleep climb down there yeah we, I, which I feel is the moment for us to reflect on the fact that Hagrid's uh, contribution to the security of this really, really important thing is a a dog who falls asleep immediately when you play music. Yeah. Like, if you've got a ringtone that goes off while he's in there, he'll be asleep <laughs> by the time you get to the end of the... Yeah, well, that's that. that- I mean, I, that, I guess that's why you put it first. Instead of making it the last ditch thing, but you could you could get past this apparently terrifying underworld dog by whistling absentmindedly. It's incredible. Yeah, but to be honest, who, when confronted with a snarling three-headed dog, is going to decide <laughs> to whistle whimsically, nonchalantly whistling, <laughs> <laughs> or break out the guitar? Even you're just not going to do it. Absolutely. Either. Listen, listen. Who knows Wonderwall? Hey, let's go for it. Yeah, so they head past that, and then they basically have to go through a series of challenges to get through to get to the end. I, I remember really enjoying reading this when I was when I was a child, just thinking, "Oh, I wonder, what, I wonder how they're going to get out of this one." And then I wonder what the next challenge is. So yes. there's, there's the yeah, herbology. I, that whole, 
that okay. feeling all the way through all of it, I just loved this. Just yeah. like absolutely, like I say, absolutely spanking pace, and not more than half a page before something else really enjoyable happens. Yeah. So there's the herbology challenge, which is this plant called Devil's Snare. That the more you fight, the tighter it grabs you. So you just need to know to chill, and then it'll let you out. Just, just be chill. Just chill. Just be, no, you've got to chill out and then light a fire. Right? Isn't that the thing that Hermione actually has to do to get oh, to yeah. leave my yeah, there's, there's that as well. <laughs> um, and then there's, so just very gently light a fire. Yeah. Then there's the charms one, which is a it's a series of flying keys, and there's some handily placed brooms next to it. So you've got to fly around and catch the key that opens the door. So they do that. I hadn't I hadn't thought of the handily placed brooms, but that is slightly curious, isn't it? Like let's put let's put the key to this thing at the top of the room and then hope that and then make it easy because presumably a really powerful wizard going through there could just levitate or something right but yeah. let's make sure that the the kids can get it as well you know there's got, there's got to be a chance if it, it feels like um, it's a less a sort of a security thing and more sort of a series of challenges to prove you're worthy to be honest but um but mm. yeah it, it is mm. set up as security um yeah. the, the next one is a chess wizard chess like giant wizard chess um yeah. where you've got to play a part in it you've got to sort of play one of the pieces um and i quite like how the the pieces are like do brutally beat each other up as well in the in yeah. the film they just did it they sort of the pieces explode each other just because i think presumably it was at that time, just too difficult to do CGI fighting chess pieces. <laughs> I mean, you'd say chess pieces actually having a fist fight would have been quite a sight, wouldn't it? But yeah, yeah. and obviously far too difficult to get across yeah. the board. It turns out Ron sort of plays the game to get him to get everybody there. But he plays involved. a blinder as well, doesn't he? Yeah, absolutely yeah. amazing. Good old Ron. But he ends up having to sacrifice himself to get the other two across the board, which is a big moment. Um, yeah. it's a really big moment and you feel like oh wow that's that's amazing I remember when I first read it and then I used to think it was remarkably quicker they were like oh it'll be fine let's keep going so they just leave him lying there yeah. and make a run for it yeah but they I thought that him. was a, a bit odd like particularly since they don't I mean no they do know the stakes I suppose they're all they're very sort of focused on let's yeah let's let's prevent this evil thing from her. occurring yeah. but it is I think that's also I mean that is cold just mm. like Ron you, you've been crushed by a magical, what is it? is it? The horse? Oh no, it's the queen, isn't it? Yeah. Scary, blank-faced, magically animated stone queen has just swept you aside like so much rubble. Ah, mm. you're good for half an hour, yeah, because evil got to got to finish it. Got to sort the evil out. So they got to sort head, the evil out. <laughs> they head through Quirrell's challenge, which is another troll. He's a uh, that's he loves a troll. Loves a troll. That's how it calls anyway. So they don't have to deal with that. And then my favourite challenge, actually, which never made it into the film, that Snape's challenge, which is seven bottles of liquid, and you've got to pick the one that opens the way forward and opens the way back. And um, if, you drink from the, if you drink from any of the others, you're either going to die of po- horrible poison or just have a mouthful of nettle wine, which is probably close, close to the same thing. Close <laughs> to the same thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I like this. I mean, I like it because it's, it's logic and I love what Hermione says, which is that most wizards, most really powerful wizards would be completely stumped by this because the very last thing they apply to the world is logic. <laughs> yeah. I love Hermione for just being like, if you think about it, it'll be fine. 
Yeah. The um, I actually, when I started reading that riddle, I was like, oh, great, I'm going to try and work it out myself. And then I mm. relatively quickly realized that you can't work it out yourself. It's sort of like yeah. a half riddle. It gives you half yeah. the things you need to know, but because you can't see the different sized bottles, you can't yeah. work it out for yourself. So yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah, no, no, That was quite sad. Although I, and I, I wanted to do that as well. And I, I, re- I realized while I was reading this partic- this this one, because they're at the end of it, um, uh, that this had done in two pages, like more puzzles, more engagingly than the 300 and odd pages that we did of the Da Vinci Code a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, that's not exactly news, is it? J.K. Rowling, better author than Dan Brown, but she is by some distance better at doing this stuff than Dan Brown is. And the way you can tell that is she just kind of like casually, you know, throws it off. Just there we go, a couple of pages. Bosh. Yeah. What's next? I, I, I never really got the logic of this, but they um it seems there's there's only just enough there's only just enough drinking um left to get one person through the door forwards and one person through the door back. Presumably because the rather Quirrell when he went through rather sort of generously only drank half of what he needed to drink. That is a bit weird, isn't it? Oh, unless, <laughs> un- unless, unless I maybe actually, I may have to put my hand back on that. It's Magic Dave Deck here and reply it to myself because <laughs> the, the gla- presumably the glasses just refill on their own back to the point they were. But having said that, that nice. means why could you only drink one bit? Oh, anyway, I'm in a rabbit hole of my own I creating do. here. Oh, no, we well, no, what, what if he's trying to do, he's trying to, because the point of it is to lure, is to get the thing hmm. and it would seem to lure Harry Potter there. Ah, Perhaps yeah, does so he know that this is happening? Because what Voldemort wants is is to kill Harry because evil. So, yeah, yeah. let's return to that at the end because there's an interesting semi-adjacent theory to that, which which I thought was would be worth fan talking theories, about. Matt. Fan theories. No, it, I had I had I had believed that we were in the desert air. <laughs> Excellent. Hit me with a fan theory. Love that. Uh, well, it's not really a fan theory. It's a theory that the author puts down. But we'll we'll get to it in a bit. No. So, okay. Chapter 17, well, just before the last paragraph of chapter 16, and as we've just revealed ourselves, they get to the final boss battle. Um, Harry's had to go through alone. And it's not Snape there. It's not even Voldemort. It's Quirrell. Underwhelming? Poor, poor bumbling <laughs> Professor Quirrell. It was a surprise the first time I read it. I remember thinking, what that was? Yeah. Where's, where's the Snape dog? It's Quirrell. I've I've been you've set you've given me both a clear wrong un and a really clear wrong un a big <laughs> bad and a little bad and a fairly unimpressive guy with cloth wrapped round his his head and it's the the unimpressive guy okay okay yeah. all right okay. but he does he he immediately slides into the the classic I'm the big bad now let me explain my oh, evil plan isn't he to tremendous you? <laughs> monologuing 101 like i mean to now to be fair to jk rowling this was published in 1997 which is before austin powers so maybe she just hadn't like didn't like maybe this was a more plausible thing to do at the denouement of your novel yeah in the mid 90s than it is now cuz now you're like kind of it really the whole thing just for no reason. He'll just, this is what I'm doing because I need to at this point. Yeah. To give J.K. Rowling some credit here, she does try a little bit of sort of cover for this where Harry's asking Quirrell all these questions, like revealing what's happened through the book. 
in a desperate attempt to keep him talking while Hermione is going for help. Um, so so uh, there, there, there is sort of a okay, reason he's trying right. to tease it out. Nice. But, um, I but, have yeah. wronged, I have wronged JK. But it is still the, the classic, yeah, boss final big bad, right? Let me tell you all my evil plans. So, um, yeah, it was Quirrell who tried oh. to get Harry killed at the, at the Quidditch game. And actually Ooh. Snape was muttering a counter curse when, she, when they set his robes on fire. <laughs> his robes on fire. <laughs> Strategic misstep. I wonder if... I, I sort of wish we had the scene later on where Harry has to explain to Hermione that she, she broke bad for him <laughs> in a way that very nearly killed him. Just like, do you know what, Herms? Maybe, maybe stick to your instincts in the future because honestly, that was, that was very nearly very bad for me. Yeah. And and Snape decided to referee the next game to basically better protect Harry. That's um that's backing yourself, that isn't it, from Snape. Yeah. Um yeah. just yeah, I can I can handle this. Uh it was it was Quirrell who let the troll in. Um and Snape sort of got wind of what he was up to, so went up to the third floor to head him off, and that's where he got bit by the dog. Um, uh. The uh and then that's where they sort of a bit further on as as we go through the chapter, there's the further reveals about you know why Snape was trying to you know trying to help rather than or certainly trying to protect Harry rather than hurt him but um yeah it's a twist yeah when I turn our attention to there's another item in this room it's the uh Mm. it's the latch of Manglethorpe it's the uh (laughs) it's the mirror of Harry's head uh that's there and that's the final this is the Dumbledore challenge and Quirrell can't work out what to do um and this is where Harry keeps trying to keep him talking to buy some time to hopefully have help arrive. Um, it was, yeah, Snape was in the forest trying to sort of bring Quirrell back into the Hogwarts fold, it turns out. Oh, um, Snape does hate Harry. Um, that is actually true. Um, but it's, but it's <laughs> Just it's, not enough to kill him. There's not enough to kill him. But, um, but yeah, we'll find out why a bit later on. Uh, what have I put here? Argument in class, volume one. Oh, the Vo- no, no, that's the Voldemort. So that argument in class, it was Quirrell arguing with Voldemort, apparently. Uh, and Harry's like, what, Voldemort was in the school? And I like this, Quirrell's going, he's with me wherever I go. Uh, and then this other line, which is quite famous, there is no good or evil, only power. And then yeah. his voice, use the boy. <laughs> <laughs> right, and... I know Voldemort is a very imposing character. Everybody's very, very frightened of him. But there is a reason, given the way he appears at the end of this book, that that J.K. Rowling has set him up as somebody that everybody's so terrified of. Because otherwise, this would fail the laugh test fairly spectacularly. <laughs> like, unimpressive character has a face on the back of his own head that's whispering <laughs> things that he should do. Who's <laughs> the boy? I like, I like the fact that Voldemort says here, see what I've become. Isn't that? He, even he's <laughs> like, furious. <laughs> he's being presented here. Look at me. Just look at me. Don't look at me. <laughs> being carried around on the back of his cretin's head for the last, <laughs> for the last six months. <laughs> is oh it's so good isn't it it's so good and and of course and that line there's no good or evil only power is such a snappy summary of of like the whole crisis that people are gonna you know the whole the whole arc that they're about to embark on yeah. and what evil looks like in this universe is just amazing yeah 
so so basically the uh, this raging little face back of head face man Voldemort <laughs> gets gets Quirrell to grab Harry and use him with the mirror to see if that'll work. He's kind of throwing everything at it now, so maybe yeah. that'll work. I don't know. So they use the boy. Um, and Harry sees himself. So Quirrell just sees himself giving the stone to Voldemort, but obviously that's no good because he's not got the stone. Harry looks in the mirror and he sees himself pick the stone out of his pocket, wink at himself, put it back in his pocket, and then he feels the weight there. So it's actually just, he's like, oh no, I've just got the Quality. stone. <laughs> Devastating. That, that was easy. Yeah. So Harry now thinks, oh man, how do I get out of this one? Tries to just sort of keep him talking. And uh, Voldemort basically tells Quirrell to grab Harry. Um, but Quirrell can't because every time he touches him, he starts he's burnt, he starts burning. And yeah. Voldemort's like, well, just, just off him anyway. Just kill him. And so he gets the wand out, Quirrell. Harry, yeah. I love this. Harry goes for the face. He just grabs him on the face and starts burning <laughs> his face off. And then there's this like he's desperate. He's dark. He's dark. All right. And then there's this desperate scrap. Everything goes dark, and Harry hears voices shouting. Yeah. Mm. I tell you, the bit I loved about <laughs> that scene is the bit that there's a moment where Voldemort is walking menacingly towards Harry. And to her credit, J.K. Rowling actually puts this in. We don't have to extrapolate from this. This, of course, means that what is actually happening is that Quirrell is walking slowly backwards towards Harry <laughs> so that Voldemort's face is facing him. And he just like, just a chair. That's all you need there. A chair or a brick on the floor or a slightly loose carpet left there by Peeves. <laughs> this whole setup will become measurably less menacing. I reckon that's happened a couple of times like in the deserted classroom. Voldemort's sort of been revealed and he's gone, walk backwards, squirrel. Let me walk feel backwards. what it's like to walk <laughs> Crap. Don't damn it all, Quirrell. <laughs> Left a bit. Left, right. <laughs> what should I tell you, Quirrell? No. Is it, no, my left, you cretin. <laughs> oh, it, it's not work. It's not work. Cover me up, Quirrell. Cover me up. Jeez. <laughs> forget, but master, forget it. Forget it, Forget Quirrell. it. Just forget it. <laughs> You've ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> You've ruined it, Quirrell. You, you bloody ruined it, Quirrell. This plan was foolproof apart from the fool. <laughs> I just wanted a nice evening and you've ruined it. <laughs> all I wanted was to go for a walk. Go right? I can't be evil all the time. Sometimes I just need to go for a walk. Yeah. Oh, dear. I wonder, I wonder if he's made him like, he fancies reading a book. Is that right? Hold the book behind you, Quirrell. Turn the page. <laughs> behind your head. Turn... No, Quirrell, for heaven's sake, for the last time, if you turn it the way it feels good to you, it goes backwards for me. <laughs> Sit Damn down. it. <laughs> Sit down, Quirrell. Face away from the television. Now switch on <laughs> Mrs. Brown's voice. <laughs> <laughs> Quirrell's just going to watch the time, curtains. Not in the high back wings edge chair. No. <laughs> Quirrell's just got to sit and watch the curtains while Voldemort watches telly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh that's good that's good that's bawdy that's bawdy oh dear anyway yeah so so Harry comes to he's in the hospital with Dumbledore sitting there and all is well he's surrounded by gifts he's been he's been out cold for three days but it turns out that Dumbledore 
was sort of waiting in the wings all the time, to be honest. He left and then came back pretty much straight away, and he arrived just in time to save Harry and uh, and get him get him out of trouble. Uh, so there you go. MVP, Albus and, Dumbledore, turns yeah. up to fix the day. Yeah. Um, turns out Nicholas Flamel's going to give up the stone now. They're going to presumably try and destroy it or something. Um, yeah. He's ready to he's ready to sort of die. So he's, yeah. Dumbledore says, yeah, if you're 600 odd years old, dying feels just like a, a, a sleep after a long, long day. So don't yeah. feel bad for him. Dumbledore, that, was I, I, that was one of the bits of, of, of grade A gold-plated Dumbledore wisdom that gets dropped in this chapter that I very much appreciated, where Dumbledore sort of... Because everybody talks about him with, like, mad respect. Yeah. And he's kind of been this sort of, you know clearly very respected but also fairly absent-minded character who's kind of twinkling his way through the situation yeah. and then in this it is this chapter where he just shows himself to be this as well as being a complete badass a very deep thinker and somebody that you know harry can really see as a father figure yeah it's, it's true just, it's great up to this point dumbledore's the 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 sort of image of Dumbledore is basically just what other people have told you he's like. He's not really done yeah. anything to yeah. to make you understand sort of how sort of amazing a sort of person this guy is. But um, mm. but this yeah this exchange is the first glimpse of just why he's so well thought of and respected, isn't it? A the fact yeah. he just pops up at the end to save the day, but also <laughs> the, this sort of these these conversations. So there's yeah there's that one. There's also he says about how you know people the one thing the things people more often are chasing are money and sort of extending their life, but perhaps the things that we want are often the things that aren't the best for us, and. Yeah. Um, and also, he's just his his sort of quiet um, uh, little piece of advice or comment about the Voldemort thing, where Harry yeah. sort of hesitates saying his name, and, um, yeah. and he says, "No, you know, say, say the name, Harry. Just you know, not not saying it increases the fear of it." Yeah, and I think that I actually found I actually found extraordinarily powerful and really like really quite moving. Like that, and then there's a couple of things that are a bit later on, I think, where it says, you know, all it all it needs is another person to turn up ready to fight what looks like a losing battle, mm. and maybe you'll never come back. And and of course, that's that's not where the series is facing. But that idea of it being a a purposeful thing to do something that is apparently apparently pointless. Mm. Um, I just that really it really got me in the feels. I don't mind telling you that was that was really like there was something something quite deep in that. I thought, and it was just yeah. So Dumbledore, having drifted through the book, now comes out at the end with not only with I'm the most powerful wizard there is, but also with I am the wisest person you will ever meet. Yeah, Tick. and and he um he he does have a bit of a heart to heart with Harry here. He's saying, look. I'll tell you, ask me anything, and if I can, I'll I'll answer it, um, sort yeah. of any questions. And then the first thing Harry asks is, why would why did Voldemort want to kill me? And Ooh. Dumbledore sort of sighs and says, oh, that's I, I can't. the first question. I can't answer that at the moment. You're too young. <laughs> um, yeah, to I, I can't answer that because this is a seven-book series. <laughs> some stuff. There's, there's some stuff that I need to really frustratingly trail in book four and then finally answer in book six. And yeah. that's just the way it's going to be. They get an answer as to why Quirrell 
couldn't touch Harry um, and he started to, you know, he felt like burning. And it's this this rather complicated thing that happened when Voldemort tried to kill Harry and the fact that Harry's mother sort of died to protect him has wrapped him up in this strange kind of spell that is all sort of wrapped up in love, which means that a real sort of powerful hatred can never can never beat it which yeah. is um is again this is a theme that runs right through the series um so it's quite yeah. important um and it's a it's a really it's a, it's a it's a lovely idea isn't it absolutely yeah and then this was this was the other bit of course that that really kind of really made me as i say got me in the feels was um i think there's something really very beautiful about that but actually something even the reason it's beautiful is that it's got it's got ballast in it it's got weight in it and the weight in it is is what he says about why Voldemort can't like he says that Voldemort doesn't understand it it's mm. that if you're that filled with hate you can't understand that a love like that is possible in the world and to present evil as an absence rather than a kind of uh you know, a more knowing, more powerful thing that goodness just tries to keep out, instead presenting evil as something that is literally incapable of understanding the thing that will really, you know, really reshape the world, will really make your, literally make your skin repulsive to the things that despise you. Hmm. Um, you know, the evil can't understand that. That, I was like, oh, yeah, there's some depth in this. <laughs> it was really, really cool. Um yeah, so this is a big old like you can see. I mean, obviously this is hindsight because it's it's you know there's a reason that the Harry Potter series is so successful. But this whole thematic depth is definitely it, it's it's so clearly a cut above the other stuff that I was kind of given to read hmm. in my early teens. Um, I thought it was just wonderful. A couple more things just wrapped up. So um, a bit of extra. Christopher Rain uh, Snape, who I, I always like how um, Dumbledore always corrects Harry when Harry always talks about Snape. Because I was like, Professor Snape, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm still the headmaster, all right? <laughs> yeah. But um, apparently Harry's dad saved Snape's life at some point, And that Ooh. has created this sort of debt that Snape both feels obliged to carry, but also hates the fact that he has it. Um, so that's Ooh. a bit of a explanation for Harry as to what the background is to that. Um, there is a really sort of rich background to Snape and Harry's relationship, which you get into more later on in the books, but that's mm, sort of an, mm. an interesting introduction to it. Um, but it's only yeah. really the tip of the iceberg. Um, yeah. There's also how, how Harry ended up getting the stone through the mirror. So the way Dumbledore had set that mirror up was you could only get it if, you, if your deepest desire was to have it, but not use it. Um, so oh, that's how he there got you it. go yeah um, that I always thought yeah but also at that moment in time was Harry's deepest desire really to get the stone <laughs> but not to have it I'd like to be literally anywhere else not at risk of being killed please <laughs> but, um, but I'll, yeah we'll, we'll give him that and um, yeah Dumbledore was supplying the cloak um, he's, he, he he was the guy who kept giving <laughs> Harry the invisibility cloak and basically giving him the the means to sort of get up to all these hijinks. 
Um, yeah. And th- this is the this is the interesting thing. I think this might be yeah. It's Hermione and Ron come in and after Dumbledore exit stays right, and then they have this discussion. But they they think maybe Dumbledore set the whole thing up. So sort of could have intervened earlier, but wanted to sort of give him a run at it, basically. Um, yeah. Which which kind of tracks because he did turn up in the nick of time and it feels like yeah. he's too clever to not notice this stuff going on but at the same yeah. time that feels in in a school that has quickly developed a <laughs> reputation for recklessness around the safety of its kids <laughs> this one's another big one isn't it absolutely yeah and it's very like okay, like if this is the theory now to go alongside the it's magic dave deck <laughs> we've got the don't worry about it. Dumbledore knows what he's doing. Deck, which obviously I'm, I'm, I'm bang alongside, but that is quite. Is quite are we sure he knows what he's doing? Because if he does, <laughs> there's no peril in anything that happens. And if he doesn't, then he's really, really irresponsibly reckless. Like those are our options. I think that this is one of the things I really like about this book series. Because at this point in the book, at this point in the series, um, you as you know, as an eleven-year-old, you you mm. are expected to think Dumbledore always knows what he's doing, and he set this up um, because he is the adult who we can all trust and know that everything's fine because mm. he knows yeah. he knows what to do. And then, yeah. as the books develop, you do come to realise that he is brilliant, but he doesn't. He's not all knowing. He's not. He's not sort of. Yeah. He's not. So so that means he sometimes is just crossing his fingers um, and hoping yeah. that his decisions are right. And hoping it plays out yeah. with with these children doing his doing his foot soldier work. Yeah, so it, gets a, it goes a little bit darker a bit later on, but yeah, at the moment you sort of, yeah, Dumbledore's just in, in book one, seen through the eyes of an 11-year-old, he's just the sort of perfect... Uh, yeah, sort of guardian, flawless. isn't he? Yeah, and he, yeah. he just, he was the safety net that was always there. Yeah. Um, so there you go. Uh, but yeah, there is an, it's an interesting idea thinking that, yeah, what he did was he thought, well, there's no way Quirrell is getting past my magic at the end, so he can get through, no problem. And then just yeah. the other things can just be set as a series of challenges for Harry to try and overcome. <laughs> because like, this like is your end of year exam. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, interesting. Anyway. Yeah. We also get a little reunion with Hagrid, who's sort of like, oh, it's all my fault. And yeah, it kind of was Hagrid, but they forgive him. <laughs> it, it was, but you're great, so forget it. <laughs> and then we come to the, the, the true sort of final cliffhanger. It's the Great Hall, and the, which is <laughs> in the house. <laughs> the Great Hall's decked out Slytherin banners. They're all oh. high-fiving. Um, oh. the, as it stands, and I and I I hasten to say, as it stands, Slytherin <laughs> with only minutes to go of the of the year, Slytherin yeah, first, and, and the decorations already up. And I I, I did have my own because I was halfway through this and I was like, oh well, that's that's game over then, isn't it? And then I remembered magic, magic, Dave. <laughs> there's magic. Yeah. So Slytherin a first, Ravenclaw a second. Presumably, there's an almighty party going on down the end. <laughs> that bronze medal is just being lowered down to the table now for the first time in decades, probably in centuries. Decades. 
<laughs> they're all ringing up. You know, head of Hufflepuff's on the phone to his mum now saying, no, it's true, mum. It's place. true, it's happening. Look, I've got it. It's such a shiny bronze. And his mum's saying, I was in Hufflepuff for five years and we've been through this before. You, are you certain you're third? The, the decorations are up and everything. We're definitely finishing that. <laughs> We're there. There's just five minutes to go till the end of term. Nothing could go wrong. <laughs> Nothing. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> up steps Dumbledore. <laughs> <laughs> oh. He says, recent events need to be taken into consideration. I love how he's, I love how he's, I love the way he's set this up. He's put yeah. all the decorations out. Recent events need to be taken into consideration. 50 points to Ron. And I like how he's like, Ron's brothers are like super proud of him. And it's like, this is yeah. the moment that yeah. Ron just finally feels fulfilled. Yeah, 50 yeah, points yeah. to Hermione. And like everyone claps her in the back. Everyone's doing the maths, frantically doing the maths. A thousand Slytherin calculators come out in the back. Yeah, it's all right. The, it's all right. The bookies who've paid out for Slytherin have suddenly gone very pale. <laughs> <laughs> McGonagall running the book in the back has gone. Oh no! Come on, look. I just, I, <laughs> I need, I need a new cat flap. All right. <laughs> Captain of Hufflepuff House, a single tear's rolling down his cheek. He <laughs> he's seen, he's seen, he's seen the writing on the wall behind the banners that he's are currently fluttering iceberg. down. Yeah. <laughs> it's hurtling towards them. Sixty points to Harry. So there it is. So no, there it isn't. There's still one point behind. I mean, that's it. Uh, Hufflepuff <laughs> bottom again. It's over yeah. for them. But yeah. um. But there's still one point behind Slytherin. So Malfoy's breathing a massive sigh of relief and thinking... Malfoy was basically sitting there as um, as Dumbledore's up going, surely not, he can't do this to us, surely no, not. This guy's supposed surely to, not. This guy's supposed surely to be not. head of the school. He's not supposed to be favouring one house. There's no way this. There's no way the great Dumbledore would set up this, en- engineer this entire situation <laughs> to humiliate As a complex troll. <laughs> Yeah, to utterly humiliate myself and my closest friends. He, he, surely he's not going to do that to us. No, it gets to one point, it's fine. Hang on a minute. Who's this standing up at the end of Gryffindor table? It can't be the downtrodden Neville Longbottom, recently released from hospital after his awful paralysis. <laughs> <laughs> Still with one paralysed finger. Just standing there. Yes. Dumbledore tells him to rise. Arise, Sir ooh, Neville. Ooh, 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 ooh. Ten points for yes. Neville standing up to his friends. <laughs> and, then, and then Dumbledore's like, switch out the banners. Like the, the sunglasses and, and cigar come in. On the side. That's amazing. <laughs> Clicks fingers, ruins dreams. Moonwalks off to Tenerife for a holiday. That's how, that is how an experienced head teacher enters the summer holidays there, yeah. isn't it? And it is no wonder that Slytherin are an evil house, the way that they <laughs> <laughs> the that way they're true. treated. That's absolutely true. This is not a great example of an apparently benevolent character giving evil a chance to reform itself. He's more like, what you all deserve is the most almighty trolling from probably the greatest <laughs> wizard who's ever been alive. Yeah. Uh, how do you like them apples? <laughs> there's screaming, there's cheering... There's one discarded mobile phone with just a voice going, Chris? Chris, what's happened? <laughs> what's happened? Are you third? Have you got it? Are you third? 
Oh, oh no. No, no, no. And they're just sitting around, just looking at each other, and then one of them just says, well, it's Hufflepuff. What did we expect? <laughs> That's it, isn't it? Forget it, Chris. It's Hufflepuff. <laughs> the problem was we dreamed. Why did we dream? <laughs> why, do, why do we always dream? Yeah. Oh, dear. So, yeah, so, so Gryffindor win the House Cup. Slytherin has to just make do with the, um, with the Quidditch Cup. They won that, so they, they just didn't do the double. Um, yeah. Because Ravenclaw, it turned out that, yeah, without Harry, Gryffindor are rubbish at, at, at Quidditch. <laughs> uh, perhaps they shouldn't have sold their other seekers and like, told people yeah. not to apply, but they got beat by Ravenclaw. So. Yeah, that's the lesson. It doesn't reflect well on Wood as captain, does it? No, no. Turns out exam results come out, and um, and Hermione's done brilliantly, of course, and Harry and Ron have done well enough, so they're happy with that. And uh, and the year ends and they're off home, and Harry's got a little bit of extra knowledge because he knows he can't... He's got to go back to the Dursleys, bit of a bit of a sort of sad note to end on, but, but yeah. for the fact that... He knows he can't use magic outside of school, but they don't. Uh, welcome to the house of fun. Do, 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 do. <laughs> so ends Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. There you go. There you go. That was that was it. That was a that was a really fun ride. I really enjoyed that. How was it for you? That was absolutely cracking, wasn't it? Yeah, I just really <laughs> like I say, never let up the pace. Like, but you know, not just about the set pieces, also great characters. Lovely, actually really great themes there at the end. Not an ounce of fat anywhere on it. Just absolutely capered through it. Hmm. Complete blast. Good stuff. Uh, and I, yeah, well, and of course, any praise I give Harry Potter is, is, you know, yes, of course, it's a very good book. It's made billions of pounds. But it, it really is. I'm really astonished that I enjoyed it as much at this age. More, I think, than I did when I was the target audience for it. Exactly. Exactly right. Well, you know what that means now. We have got oh. we have got reviews. We have yes. got interaction, and um, we've got a few other bits and pieces to wrap up um, before we end our our coverage of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Um, we'll start with Twitter. Um, you know, we always say get in touch on Twitter, Facebook. Well, we forgot to check Twitter for a, a week or two, so <laughs> there's a couple of comments that we didn't read out um, from Greg. Um, the the one that I think was particularly good is uh, first and firstly, Greg is is a loud and, pl- and proud Slytherin. So um, from all of us at Shortlive Royal, ah, you lost the house cup. <laughs> Stick on your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> 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 it's a caring sharing world here on Shark Liver Oil, ladies and gentlemen. We love each and every one of you for listening to us. <laughs> um, I also like uh, Greg says uh, playing seeker equals babe magnet, especially when you're really the one. Isn't that right, Shark Liver Oil? Yeah, yeah just I, got I, it hard to argue up. with that. Yeah. He's got it all wrapped up. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's time to do the reviews. Um, we ask for reviews yes. between one and five stars. We include both yours and a collection of the best I can find on the internet. And have I got a collection for you today? You won't be surprised to know that Harry Potter is predominantly a five-star review um, in terms of what we've got. Uh, But 
There are some one stars. Who's done you it, can find them. You Who's can, oh, for... You can find them. You can there's... track them down. I would um, use the phrase, there's always one, but I think our discovery over many years of doing the absolute knockdown, drag-out classics of world literature is that there's not always one. There's always about 150, particularly, I note, if the author is a woman. So yeah. let's go ahead. Let's hear it. Who yeah. thinks this is not a good book? Well, let's start with the five-starers. Oh, and, oh um, you're going to make me... Oh, I've got yeah, all this fire banked those, up, man. I'm ready to go. <laughs> I'm swinging. I'm on my fighting weight. Come on. <laughs> Five stars from Catherine. Um, you know, the first time I read this series was when I was 15, and I gave it three stars. And I'm now wondering, how did I do that? Now I'm 19... <laughs> And I was very <laughs> optimistic about the quality of everything else in the world. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm 19, the ripe old age of 19, and just everything about this book is phenomenal, even if it is rather childlike, but that's okay. They're only 11 years old after all. Regardless, all yeah. these characters and everything just fills me with such nostalgia. It's a beautiful thing. The thing about this review that makes me a little sad is the fact that she's talking about nostalgia and sort of looking back on her life, aged 19. Aged 19. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, this came out when I was 13, and that was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> Five stars from someone who names themselves Delirious Disquisitions. Probably not the real name. Um, they, <laughs> <laughs> Why does everybody think this? It is my real name. I'm from the Hampshire Disquisitions. <laughs> <laughs> they start with a quote. This boy will be famous. There won't be a child in our world that won't know his name. There'll be books about him. He will be legend. That's taken from, from this book. And yeah. de- um, Delirious Disquisitions says, in hindsight, it just strikes me just how prophetic these words from the first book turned out to be. I don't think anyone, including J.K. Rowling, realised at the time just how much these books would come to define a whole entire generation of people, including me. More than one, you've Mm. got to say. Like, it keeps coming back. Yeah. Five stars from Kay. Kay starts off with trigger warnings, child abuse, bullying, violence, fat phobia, and some really, really bad teaching. Um, After slugging through... (laughs) Sorry, I mean, (laughs) this person is absolutely correct. All of those things appear in the thing, and I'm grateful for the warning. Um, But, sorry, you couldn't be more on the money with the teaching. My (laughs) word, how is this a school? Uh, They say, after slogging through 663 pages of bleakness, that was The Dragon Republic. Never read that. Don't think I will after that review. Rereading this (laughs) was like being wrapped in a warm blanket and handed a mug of hot chocolate with little marshmallows floating in it. Is there a winner? Solid. Solid. Uh, five stars from Alexandra. What really captured me about this novel was the world. I could taste and feel everything about Hogwarts, which made the story a hundred times more enjoyable. I'm sure this will be a fun series. I'm excited to get back into the wizarding world. This first Harry Potter was super short and feel good. I quite like Alexandra's just, it seems like reading it all for the first time. So good yeah. luck to her. She'll enjoy yeah. it, I'm sure. Um, five stars from someone who's called themselves Aphrodite. Maybe it's, it is your real name. I don't know. I'm I mean, surprised. that would be that would be incredible if we've actually got the Greek goddess of love coming down to give us some thoughts on the matter. <laughs> well, just you wait for the next review. Welcome to any- the shark. <laughs> <laughs> if you think that's good, the next one's even better. But anyway, Aphrodite says, <laughs> uh, "I finally started Harry Potter. I love this little kid." That's the uh, that's that review. Great review. Great review. Grave. Who have we got next? Who's, who's a bigger swinger than Aphrodite? <laughs> well, it's our first one-star review. Lord Voldemort says... <laughs> <laughs> this is a disgrace to all purebloods. 
my head looked <laughs> my head my head looked quite dashing on that strange professor's head. If only I could have extended my stay. Harry Potter, this is not over yet. <laughs> oh man now that in hindsight is quite an obvious joke but it is executed absolutely to perfection and I take my hat off um, I'll included this one just because just for the sheer like miserly like self-involved tone of it but it's you someone on the internet by any chance <laughs> someone whose nickname is called not getting enough um <laughs> <laughs> My review is still. This is this was from a uh, reviews page. My review is yeah. still hidden from this page. It was listed on the community reviews. It will be the third highest voted one star review. In fact, since it's now been hidden for five years, maybe it would even be the highest. It was the highest voted negative review prior to removing it from view. Should I make a list of my reviews in order of how proud I am of them? This would be somewhere in the highest. However, that all doesn't seem the point. The fact that it had 140. What? Wait, do you? So you read the book, cool, and you you review the book, that's cool, and then what do you do? Go back every day to keep a relative ranking of your review as against everybody else's one star reviews, and and then five years later you go back in order to post again about how it's been moderated poorly. I. But I mean, was did you watch all of Netflix? I'm going to go out on a limb and say that this person hasn't read the book in the spirit that it was intended. (laughs) 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 But but thanks anyway for sharing that with the internet. Uh, Goodness, gave me me an exasperated laugh anyway. Um, (laughs) Chippy says. um, I was bored to tears. It's definitely for kids, not adults, because it'll put you to sleep unless you haven't grown up. That's chippy. I, I chip, no joke. My word. <laughs> yeah. Chippy quite, it is. There were quite a few one-star re- reviews who have fallen over themselves to say I was too intelligent for this book. Um, oh, I, I certainly got that impression. I mean, I hats off, I suppose... I don't, I can't, I mean, this is something which I'm sure I've ranted about before, and I will do it briefly here, but I cannot, cannot, for the life of me, understand anybody who would have the first modicum of intelligence, thinking that the most interesting thing you can do with that intelligence is look at all the other people and assess how different they are from your brain. Like, what, what, it's your, congratulations, you read it, it wasn't for you. I'm missing the bit where you need to, tell the world about that in such a way as to make yourself seem smarter because it's not a great and very smart use of your time to go on the internet and boast about how clever you are that is not the point of being clever here comes sorry (laughs) ran off but goodness me (laughs) here comes a one star from tina not enough not enough enough espionage and a lack of heat what was what here comes Letter continue. Harry is about as complex and interesting as a loaf of bread. Okay, that's a good one. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's, that's, that. that's, that's solid. <laughs> I, I am in awe that it reached such status. Maybe I should liken it to football. Entertains the masses whilst lacking any need for thought or question. Oh, ho, 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 ho. Boros, Shots yeah. fired. 
Tina. Goodness me. Um, what I will say about Tina is you've spelt entertains I-N-T-E-R-A-I-N-S. So people in glass houses, Tina. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dearie me. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, that was uh, that. Why would you approach a book that's like, it's, it's warm-hearted? It's, yeah. it's nice. On, How do you Tina. get to one star? Come on. Even if it's underwhelming. Three stars, fine, I disagree, but I can see how you get there. One star isn't just, this wasn't very impressive. Like, you've yeah. really got to hate something to give it one star. Yeah, and also, football's great, and that's the end of it. So, Harry... Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> damn right. But also, I, I... How... Sorry, I'm just... I'm, I'm really sort of... I'm, I'm hung up on this, this particular review on the assumption that... So are, are, you, are you not entertained, Dave? I <laughs> it's it's ent- entertainment at its most entertaining. Um, I I just espionage. Yeah. Was, was the other she was looking for? Yeah. Did she say romance? She was looking for. Uh, no heat. Well, I could it could mean that, I suppose. Yeah, I mean. Did she think she was reading something else? Well, did she was she reading well, a novelization of of the 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 underrated James Bond film Quantum of Solace? Is that what she was hoping for? Not enough espionage in this school story about wizards. <laughs> it's really hiding its its spy techno thriller light under a bushel. <laughs> what? Yeah. Um, final one star review. Henrietta, this book is so boring. I literally fell asleep. <laughs> I also ended up crying because I had so much expectation and I was so disappointed. I also had an extremely bad day at work. Needed some kind of relief. This book did not make me smile one bit. So disappointed. And most importantly, one should never change the story title, no matter what. I'm with you on that, Henrietta, I've got to say. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Philosopher's Stone all the way. Yeah, and, 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 all day. And balls to the US book sales. That's the name of the book. <laughs> so, you'll notice that Matt's forthcoming novels have not been picked up by a, a US publisher. Um, yeah. Balls yeah. to it. Um, yeah. uh, I actually feel Harry. quite... I'm really, I feel really sad about that review. That's really mm. like, you've had a bad day, you're looking for something good, and this is... So much not what you were looking for that you read it all and then go on the internet to talk about how how bad it was. Oh, I really hope you found a happier book next. Yeah, just took one look at the one look at the cover, saw Sorcerer's Stone, and was like, "Well, that is just a cherry on a rubbish day." Yeah, threw it through a window, and that means Harry Potter and the Crumpets of Doom won't be making it to America. What other English words don't translate to American? That's the best I could come up with was crumpet. I mean, I've got several, but I'm trying to keep this podcast clean, so I'll probably <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll I'll skip it. <laughs> oh. Three stars from Manny. I only found one middling review that I wanted to include. Um, but yeah. Manny says, "Oh look, a cute, funny children's book, just the right length with a nicely constructed, self-contained plot and a good ending." Uh, Manny's second. Lion was having a go at the series, but I just I just thought I'd take the first one. (laughs) (laughs) The second line sounds like lines of let's turn it into a bloated series. That's rubbish. So he obviously just liked the first book. Goodness. Well, I mean, obviously, I am I'm I've officially suspended my opinion of all the books following this one since I'm 
since I've been so blown away by this one, I'm, I'm having to face the possibility that aged 14, I wasn't exactly the discerning reader I believe myself to be. <laughs> so, so I have, I can't, I can neither agree nor disagree with Manny on the rest of the series. Hey, the review of this one's all right, but I think it's a bit better than that. Yeah. There you go. Uh, the final review I'm going for is five stars from Lily. Um, she says, there are a few books in your life that you don't read, but experience and they simply stay with you forever. They'll keep all your memories with them, tucked safely between the pages, so that when you go back to them, you're not only revisiting the story they're telling, but also your own story, the one your younger self left nestled between the letters outside of your eyes' reach, invisible to anyone else but yourself, and full of warmth and bittersweet nostalgia. I just thought, if you really, really love the book because you read it as a child, then that's quite a nice review to sum it up. That's an incredible summary of what it's like to read books that you read when you were a kid. Just nestled out of your eyes. That's incredible. Well, absolutely hats off. That's beautiful. Big yeah. fan. Yeah. And that's a nice moment. Ah, Harry Potter and the Pavement of Dreams. There's another one. The Pavement of Dreams. <laughs> another British no, one. No, that does, that does translate, though, but it's just that's what you call the road surface, not just the bit at the sides. Oh, no. Right. Okay. Yeah. Oh, no, how about yeah, Harry yeah, Potter and the Pavement that everyone walks on to avoid getting run over of Dreams? Does that work? I think we might need to workshop it, but you are facing in the right direction. <laughs> Shall we do let's, let's do let's do Facebook next. So mm. we are actually kicking off the Facebook group again. So we we set this up in like I don't know like seven years ago and then didn't go back to it. Um, so apologies for not putting much on there, but we are going to start using it now. So if you just have a look on Facebook, you'll find a Shark Live Royal podcast, um, and in that time. I another apology. There were a couple of messages. Well, there were five messages that came in. Um, I and I'm not joking. Three of them were from Shark Live Royal salesmen in the Philippines asking if we wanted to buy. Really, Shark Live Royal. Tremendous. <laughs> yes, I'm looking to be your supplier. Also, yeah. I mean, I this is a rabbit hole we shouldn't go down. But anybody who's got Shark Live Royal to sell is either a complete badass or is selling cod liver oil with <laughs> with, with with ambition um, well if yeah. um if you if you were offering us short liver oil and you've been listening to the podcast for however many episodes we've done in the hope we'd finally respond to you um i'm afraid bo young <laughs> um roseville torrefield and adam rizal sorry guys not the sorry, right lads. short liver oil um no hard it's a hard world but we are just a podcast there's nothing we can do with it that is kind of a hard world i really hope that their that their aggressive marketing approaches have brought them prosperity elsewhere although i really hope that they also haven't killed any sharks so you know yeah also thanks to emma for a series of messages that you've sent over the years which we have rudely not responded to because we've not been on but um because we are the those. worst yeah <laughs> Um, Emma did send us a, and I'm, I'm very interested in bringing this back. So you can contact us on email as well, and we often dip into the junk section of the email just to check who's been contacting us there and read out a few of those. Um, there is one here that she's forwarded to us from Speed Trust Carrier. Um, I cashed your check for 2.6 million US dollars this morning, deposited it as a consignment box within the Speed Trust Courier Company. Um, you must I wondered us. where that 2.6 mil had gone, by yeah, the way. Well, if you want to get your hands on it, Dave, we just need to send them our name, address, picture, telephone number, <laughs> identification. It says, please do not 
tell anybody about this. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, Brilliant. And, uh, let, let them know. Best not to boast. <laughs> let them know as soon as the check's cashed as well. Um, yeah. So I mean, of course. Th- yeah. Thanks for that. Um, that's all we've got from the from the Facebook bay. So yeah, if you do want to send us a message, you can send us it on Facebook as well. Um, there is the option to do that now, or or just sort of post on some of the comments that we're putting up. Um, but that is that is on the way back after a seven year hiatus. The Facebook page is returning. <laughs> And uh, and if I may, I'd like to finish off with a couple of comments that I got through um, uh, uh, based on the first couple of episodes of the podcast. If that's all right, yeah. Um, so the the first the first was from uh, Harry. Big shout out to Harry, um, who on hearing my checkered history with the series as a whole, messaged to say, "I'm really hoping you get past book four. These days, I don't meet many adults, by which I mean people capable of remembering plot details, who hasn't read the whole set. (laughs) And that is a wholly appropriate burn on that account. (laughs) Uh, The other, and I I thought you'd appreciate this, Matt, to to close out. This is from Johnny, um, who said, he just said this. I love what it sounds like when you get something wrong and Matt's deliberately not saying that you've got it wrong. <laughs> Has he got an example? Um, no, I d- he hasn't actually. He just said that. So apparently it's happening often enough that he doesn't need to give an example and can just refer to the many occasions on which I've dropped a massive clangor about plot or character. <laughs> and apparently your silence speaks volumes, apparently. <laughs> well, Johnny, thank you. Um, but there is every chance that it's just the fact that I'm not being polite, but I equally haven't realised that he's got it wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, and on that note, we finish our coverage of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. I expect we will do number two, The Chamber of Secrets, soon. Um, we haven't decided what book we're going to do next. We often like to rotate them around. But um, if you've got mm. any suggestions yourself for books that you'd like us to do, or you'd just like to insist that we get cracking on straight away with chamber of secrets then do send us a message you've got three options now you've got shark live royal podcast at gmail.com you've got at shark live royal on twitter or you can get us on facebook shark live royal podcast i think it is don't forget that little sting in the tail podcast you don't want to you don't want to be accidentally messaging back these this motley collection of, is what we are. yeah you don't want to be messaging this motley co- collection of shark live royal salesmen that've been getting in touch with us so make sure you message the podcast until then till then Matt it's been, it's been a pleasure Dave absolutely absolutely